You're listening to The Bunker New York, live on Red Bull Radio. Hello, you're listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio. I'm your host, Brian Kasnick, and we are here uh, live in Detroit, where we are pretty much for the summer at the Red Bull Studios. We're here today with Paxahow, and we have two of their resident DJs, Dan Bain and Chuck Flask. They're both going to do DJ sets, and we're going to talk to them towards the middle of the show. But right now, we're going to get into the mix with Dan Bain. He'll be playing for the next 45, 50 minutes. Again, this is The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio.
When this whole thing started, we were just a couple of strangers. Now we're smoking some real like lips in the sound chambers. We yeah, in the back room talking about infinity. Girl, forget your flashback, the next one is on me. It's been a while, baby, since I felt like this. Your mind, you keep your measurements, all so thick I can't resist. I look at you, I know it's true. If we should part, it's agony. I think I gotta take it with me.
Some rain 
this hustle, bustle, traffic lights. Take a moment from this hustle, bustle, traffic lights. And chill with me tonight. Take a moment from the hustle, bustle, traffic lights. Take a moment from this hustle, bustle, traffic lights. And chill with me
Hello, you're listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio. We are live from the Red Bull Studios in Detroit. We're here with Paxahel DJs Dan Bain and Chuck Flask. Just uh, the first half of the show, that was all Dan DJing. Very nice set. Thank you very much. Thank you, man. Morning jams. Yeah, ending with um, Paranoid London, one of my favorites. Um, so why, why don't we start by talking about your history with Paxahel. When did, how, how and when did you get started with the organization? Gotcha, man. So back when Paxahow first got involved with the, the Movement Festival fully, um, I volunteered that year to try to help support. And it was just, you know, a really positive experience for me. And they decided to keep me around after that. So, yeah, here we are, like 11 years later, still, still kicking it. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of amazing things were you tasked with as a volunteer? In the, fir- well, the first year Paxahow took over was 2000- 2006. 2006. Yep. It was a crazy year. So basically, I think uh, I was Mike Photon's bitch for for the most part. That was like uh, the my, my primary function. But yeah, it was cool. I learned so much from just being around Mike and trying to execute everything with the equipment and production. It was great. So Mike is the sound engineer for the whole. Yep, exactly, festival. exactly. And the festival has definitely become known over the years for amazing sound. I yeah. think, especially Look. since Paxahal took over, it really. Very lucky that uh, Mike Fotis has good ears, and he's to this day he's still the rocking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so Dan, um, how long were you DJing? And you were based in Detroit before you started volunteering for Paxahow. Correct. Yep. So I'm born and raised here. I've been living in Houston for the past four years, but I started DJing around uh, 2000, basically. Cool. So, um, why the move to, why and when, I guess, the move to Houston? You said four years ago? Right. It was, uh, you know, kind of day job, career type stuff. Uh, it was kind of dead ending here, and, you know, we, we need to make a change. So, me and my family moved down there. Um, but yeah, going down to Houston in the middle of August wasn't awesome. <laughs> that was that was a big adjustment. Uh, yeah, I have a friend who's planning to move to Detroit, and he's moving here in February. Oh, yeah, yeah. He'll, he'll get broken in real <laughs> quick. <laughs> Um, so what's what's going on down in you were we were talking earlier about some of the some of what you have going on down there um, What are you doing event wise and DJ wise down there? Gotcha. Yeah, so um, I've, I've been working with my partner my wife We got a warehouse spot that we've been trying to uh, cultivate into something that's very Detroit inspired It's something that I see as like a little bit of a gap in Houston is like the late night parties that maybe inspired me you know in the late 90s and all this stuff to to really get into this stuff so we're trying to create those types of experiences for people there so when you got to houston were you you found like a lack of the music the late night side of it is that like how, how late can you legally uh keep a venue open in houston serving alcohol much like you know most places in the u.s it's a 2 a.m shutout and it just seemed that there there really wasn't a lot going on after two it was my first observation like man you know all of my most memorable experiences with this music and this culture have happened definitely post 2 a.m so it's like um we found a space and we kind of got that going and let it grow very slowly and organically um we've gotten to a point now where we're bringing in a lot of guests from out of town to come play um and yeah it's it's been really cool everybody who's come through seems to seems to think we're onto something so we're we're gonna keep pushing with it for sure so has being down in texas you feel like affected your sound and approach as a dj 
Yeah, it really has. You know, I think um, firstly, just being in smaller crowds and more intimate settings, it has, as you probably heard from my set, had me dial a lot of music back a lot. So yeah, I've been fortunate that that Paxahow and some other promoters in this city have brought me back pretty regularly since then, though. So it's like when I come back, it's like, oh man, now I've got this like smashed crowd and I got to like really come with it. So yeah, making those adjustments to between peak time and opening DJ and chill out DJs. Yeah, wear yeah. a lot of hats. You so know. you've had to diversify more. You're not just stepping up for the primetime set. You've got to set the mood. That's it, man. I think that's really uh, what I've done the most of throughout my years is opening and mood setting and all this kind of stuff. It's the thing that comes most naturally to me. So now I'm really focused on trying to get back into, all right, what's, what's my primetime sound? You know, like really trying to get that more robust. Right, for the all-night warehouse parties, you'll need that. But yes, this Definitely. is this is something that, as you were saying, a lot of that I think maybe Europeans don't get as much that we struggle with in the U.S. is this 2 a.m. I mean, in New York is liberal, and we technically have 4 a.m. We have to stop serving alcohol, and it's hard to keep a party going. Um, so it's, it's good to hear people are trying to make things happen past 2 a.m. across the country because, as you were saying, that's kind of for sure where the magic happens. Definitely, man. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, Europe is amazing. I think that's also inspiring too, right? You go over there yeah. and you can see, like, that's just how things are. But, yeah, in Detroit, too, it's just you've had these kinds of experiences and want to try to bring that somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, what are the limitations here in Detroit? Because I'm generally here during... Uh, festival time Memorial Day weekend when it seems like things are maybe a little looser parties find a way to go later but on like an average weekend in Detroit what are we looking at in terms of like how late parties can go well usually the you know legal stuff goes still too and then there's the after hours you know yeah. random spots always different places and those could go till the next day you know nothing too crazy though I don't think anything's gone to like noon or anything but you know you get your 7 a.m but there's there's been some legendary super oh, yeah. late night packs of how things yeah. over the years yeah 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 well you know we've kind of chilled out on a lot of the super weird after hour stuff right you know we just i don't know we don't want to get in trouble yeah i mean you guys are super official now well not that we're official, you know, but <laughs> professional. <laughs> you know, we're I mean, just you've got to... a, you've got a lot to answer to. You well, guys are. You know, I mean, for those of our listeners that maybe haven't, I mean, you guys have produced the Movement Festival yeah. here since 2006. Yeah. So I imagine you have a lot of interaction with city officials, yeah, law you know, enforcement. Well, you've got to be respectful. You you've got to stay mean? in their good graces. Yeah, but we we once in a while do some fun things, you know, after hours and usually like after parties to our parties at TV Lounge or Marble Bar, you know. Right. But I, I thought those places could go, They you stay open until 4 and just don't serve alcohol at TV no, Lounge? Or no, that... TV, TV is a usual uh, 2 a.m. shut off, you know, unless we get the, you know, the permits and stuff to stay open later. Uh, all alcohol always stops at 2. Right. Know? Because so. they managed to stay open Memorial Day. That place yeah. basically doesn't close from, like, Thursday until yeah, well, Tuesday or some, something. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> it, it's a little different, you know, festival weekend. You know, uh, they look the other way sometimes. But, uh, you know, you can get away with stuff during movement. But during the year, if you don't have the permits, eventually, you know, the cops start showing up and giving you a headache and 
then it just totally blows out the vibe, you know? So. And But I do understand there's been uh, some movement. We saw uh, the mayor of Detroit met with Mad Mike and Omar S and some folks. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know that Dimitri Hegeman from Trezor has been meeting with higher officials. It seems like, I mean, nothing has obviously officially happened yet, but there seems to be a movement bubbling in Detroit to maybe allow yeah. for more freedom in nightlife and it perhaps would, create you know, an arts district where venues would be great. Could, yeah. I think it would be awesome if, you know, if the city saw the DJs and the music and the dancing and everything, you know, somewhat being an art form and... I think it'd be great if they recognized it, you know? Yeah, it's amazing that we still have to try to... It's like Footloose. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. It is what it is. But you know what? Uh, The scene here is really strong. Uh, The music is always really good. We're spoiled here. We have great sound systems. We've got, you know, great venues. They're not like mega clubs or anything like that. But... They're always great parties, and you know, there's always new people and fun things, you know, with the old people, and just like everybody gets along, and it's a great time every every time. Yeah, I feel like I remember not so long ago, four or five years ago, my local friends complaining that there really wasn't that much happening here mm-hmm. when it wasn't Memorial Day weekend. And I, I mean, I've certainly. Would you agree that there's been a huge shift in, uh, that in there, the past? There has been a shift. You know, it goes in waves, but uh, it, it seems like everything's just been on and up. Uh, there's like the new Detroit people here, right? You know, so they like to party and. Um, there's a lot of stuff, you know, there's a lot of restaurants and a lot of things changing downtown, so it feels somewhat safer to come down here for some people, you know, or people are just, you know, comfortable to be down here, or they just don't really know about down here and they just like to hang out and party, and there's been a lot of good crowds. Yeah. We've, we've had some really good, good parties. Yeah, my girlfriend used to live here, and when we were here this year for the festival and we were, went downtown to eat, she's like, all the parking lots are open. There must be a, a baseball game or something today because these lots are usually closed. And then mm-hmm. we asked around, I was like, no, the, the people come downtown now. So yeah, the parking no, lots are open. There's It's definitely more lively down here now, so... And is that, I would imagine this has had a positive impact on the festival as well, like attendance and... Yeah, yeah, I think so. You know, uh, the festival's going strong. I think it goes strong whether Detroit is on an up or down. You know, uh, a lot of people travel. Um, It's a definite techno destination. For sure, for most of the heads. Yeah. At least, I mean, from abroad as well, but for the U.S., it's like everybody that I know seems to come in for that weekend. It's a great weekend in Detroit. Yeah. That's for sure. So, um, Chuck, when did, exactly did you start working with Paxow? I started working with Paxow. It was uh, around 2001. Um, I started as our photographer and just <laughs> like random, random task man. And uh, it was just weird. It was actually, um, in, we were at the festival in 2001, and it was with Jason Huvar. And uh, we had a booth. For D Records, which was a lo- uh, record label oh, yeah, we had back in the label. '90s, and um, and it was with Minus or Plus Eight had a booth, you know, so we kind of mashed in with those guys, and this was kind of before I knew Houghton, you know, and 
stuff like that. And I, I met Jason through some friends. I actually met Jason through uh, Keith Kemp. Okay. And um, I knew Sam a little bit, Fotis, through Mike Fotis, his brother. And I didn't know Jason Clark. And anyways, we just started all hanging out and I got invited over to uh, play the Paxile radio show at Jason's house. And that was probably like very early 2001-ish or something like that. And then we just started hanging out, going out, doing stuff. And uh, we were at the festival and Jason's like, hey, you know, uh, we're starting to do some more things. And do you want to be a part of what we're doing? And, you know, take pictures, do whatever at first. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And then from there, it just kind of whirlwinded into, you know, I don't know, many years later. <laughs> yeah, I mean, watching just as, well, back then, kind of coming as mainly an attendee of the festival, it was really interesting to watch Paxahau grow from doing some of the bigger after parties every year, which probably would have been, like, yeah. early 2000s. Yeah. And then, I don't know if you remember what year it was where there was, like, a tent outside of yeah, a club. Yeah, that and was were... outside of Envy. We did, um, I don't know, it was, like, 2002, maybe? around there maybe 2003 sounds about right around there um that we had like luciano and matthew johnson yeah and like Feek a lot of the perlon guys a lot of the guys from four sync and montreal and stuff like that and uh the perlon guys like so. yeah and then uh we also did something once called uh pemp which was uh <laughs> at Panacea when it opened and we had uh, Ricardo Villalobos play live and Zip and Sammy D and Rich played and Vladislav Delay and you know it was just crazy. Yeah so it got bigger and bigger and then there was a year do you know what year it was when Paxahau you did your first stage at the we festival did, that was, was the underground that was stage 2005 that. that's when the festival was called Fusion uh, Kevin Saunderson was in control of it at that time and uh we did a three-day uh, stage on the underground stage, and uh, we included, I think it was Tronic, the label Tronic with Christian Smith. Mutech. Mutech, and then it was us. And um, it was awesome. It was a, it was the start of something totally new for us. We got the hang of operating on a crazy spin like that, right. you know? Uh, we also around that time which was a big kick for us was a uh, Super Bowl here in Detroit uh, we got hired by this uh, uh, product well this event crew out in New York to uh, soup up a loft and uh, and blue nightclub and we worked like very heavy around the clock for like a week straight because these guys were completely insane Right, and, and they would just expected the craziest things. I don't know if you were with us for that, Dan. I missed that one. Yeah, you were lucky. <laughs> <laughs> it was really intense, and um, and but we did it, and that was like our first real deal. Like here we go, and we could we handled it. You know, it was really stressful, but we handled it. Everything went very well, and then you know we moved on and we did the whole stage thing. You know, yep. two thousand five, and then. From there, that's when, uh, you know, the festival kind of was dwindling, you know. And yeah, I remember those mid-2000 years were rough. It was rough, it, and it, it was a bummer deal, you know, because I know Kevin, you know, he put his heart and soul into that thing, and it, like, really bust him up, you know. Like, it, it's not an easy task for just, like, 
you know, just to like pick it up and do it. You well, know? also for someone who wasn't, for Kevin is known for music and running a record right. label, but it's a completely different ball game to produce any event, yeah. much less it, a it's... four stage festival yeah, over an entire weekend. That's the logistics behind that, as you well know, are staggering. Right. Well, and before all that, um, you know, I never booked any talent in my life. And in 2006, I became the talent buyer for Paxile. And, and that's the year that that's, that's 2006 is the first year Pax of Hell did yeah. the whole festival. Yeah, that's when we got the festival, and uh, the we basically had like eight weeks to do it. So I booked like what? yeah, I booked like a hundred <laughs> X in like basically like four weeks, and it was uh, it was crazy, and that's how I became a talent buyer. And and then trial by fire. <laughs> yeah, I had no choice. You know, like everybody had their job already picked out, and I'm like, well, what am I gonna do? And everybody just kind of looked at me, and I was like, I guess I'm the talent buyer now. So so within Paxahow, how does that, you're the talent buyer, do you, do you have more or less the freedom to curate the whole thing and do what you want? Or is well, there, I would know, imagine there's input from no, other members? No, there's, there's every, you know, it's a crew. You know, we all discuss every single thing that we do. Um, yeah, we... we Basically now what we do is we we gather all of our avails and everything and all the submissions from you know like 2006 2007 get them in a pile make a grid you know just go over everything and then we have meetings and we actually listen to the music that you know if we're not familiar you know like I have the crew listen to the music and we just decide on what we like this and that you know we work uh, very heavily with Adam Shore for the RBMA stage and uh, you know it it comes together now it, it comes together it's not easy but it's like you know everything falls into place as long as you've got the right time you've you been know? doing it for over 10 years and you know you're I mean you already know you're doing it the next year oh, yeah. and you can start thinking about oh, yeah. it yeah no we're, we are constantly thinking about it you know and that's the thing you know we're, we're trying to do things that make things better start stages at different times Try to, you know, we wanted more live acts this year, so we booked more live acts, and it worked out well, yeah. you know. And that's a whole can of worms, always. Like. Yeah. It, well, the problem is, is our stages aren't monsterly massive. Heart Plaza is very small. Right. You know, when you kind of think about it. And when you put a stage in, you know, you got six stages in there, and then um, the stages aren't these huge, massive stages. I mean, they're big. Don't get me wrong, but... At some points, you have like two or three acts set up on the stage, and the band and the you know stagehands and the whole crew are really good, you know. So and it's the changeover times are really short because right. we like continuous music. So it, it it gets really tricky, you know. But um, everything's cool, you know. We we work everything out. And now, I mean, I've noticed in recent years that the. I don't know how recently, but it seems like the set times have gotten shorter and shorter to the point where you have a lot of artists playing. Well, yeah. now everybody's pretty much an hour to two. And you mentioned six stages. It used to be four. So it seems like you must be responsible for booking a lot more talent now because well, you've yeah. got extra stages there's, and shorter sets. There's, a, there's stages, shorter sets. We always bounce around between being like, well, should we do longer sets? Like some people play longer sets, some play shorter sets. You know, I, I like to try to stick to the two hour set for the DJ set, you know? Yeah. And then, um, you know, like our live shows, you know, stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, and then on top of that, we have the uh, after parties. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of amazed by that as well with oh. everything you guys have going yeah. on with 
the festival, you also do how many after parties did you uh, do? We this do year? probably about like four to five a night, you know. So I don't know. By the end of it, um, we book about 200 acts for that weekend, you know, for like four or five days. And luckily, I have like an amazing, you know, uh, Ernie is uh, is yeah, my Ernie's like great. right hand man and. Without him, I couldn't do it. You know, like he is like a like a champion. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it seems like through you guys have been doing this for so long now, through the years of doing the festival and even going back longer than that, it seems like the core team, a lot of the names you mentioned earlier, has stayed. Yeah. The core of Pax the yeah. I'm no. sure the company has grown, especially over the weekend as you add more and more artists and parties, but it's still the same crew of friends yeah. who started yeah, this thing. Yeah, there's, it's, uh, it's, it's the same crew. Uh, we've, we've got one of the best teams we've ever had ever, you know, so everything is, uh, everything's pretty rock and roll. So, you know, uh, everybody, uh, we're all friends. <laughs> um, at the end of it all, you know, we still, you know, we still argue and we have our growing pains and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, everybody's so into it it's their lives you know what i mean and it's like this, this is, is full do. time for it's a lot of time. you guys now. we have like 10 10 like full-on employees yeah you know? you're a real local company yeah. employing people yeah we and... work every single day i work on booking talent every single day i probably book about like 300 plus x a year you know um we do about 40 to 50 shows a year outside of the festival. outside of the festival which includes things like you know uh red bull house of art um marble bar uh tv bar it, we dabble at the fillmore you know we dabble other places you know like st andrews and th things like that and you guys and have magic a, stick have a big anniversary coming up we yeah, should shout that uh, out september 9th will be our 19th year anniversary with paxahow uh we've got a killer lineup uh we have J Flip, uh, Black Madonna, Holographic, uh, Rebecca Goldberg, Lauren, and uh, DJ Minx. Okay, where's that going to be? It's going to be at TV Lounge. Oh, cool. Yeah. So is it most? It seems like a lot of your stuff happens at TV Lounge. Yeah, TV days. Lounge is basically our home. Uh, it's a diamond in the rough. Um, it's a. It's a, it's not a very big place. The sound system in there will rip your face off. Um, but it won't like make you go deaf. Yeah, you know, uh, we do different lighting things in there all the time uh, The patio is awesome Yeah, I've really watching that venue develop over the years just being here on Memorial Day weekend has been pretty amazing Like yeah. and still now every year I go it's there's yeah, you well can tell all these improvements have been made jo between Josh and tree uh, welcome, uh, you know, they welcomed us in there and um, We've been in there for like four or five years now and uh, it's been one of the best partnerships we've ever had in our lives. You Great. Know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's really cool that you guys are pushing to make things happen in Detroit. Yeah. Outside of Memorial Day weekend. Yeah. Well, is... it's what we do. You know, we love the music. We love Detroit. Um, I think that if we didn't do these parties, we'd probably go insane. Right. You know, <laughs> get really bored. You know, more insane than you already go. Yeah. Yeah. The parties. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. So you know, we're we're really happy and we're uh, really fortunate and uh, thankful for what we have and what we do. You know. Well, thanks a lot for coming on today, both of you. And I guess with this, we should, you're going to play us some music, Chuck. You're, yeah. We haven't even talked about your DJing, but you're yeah. a long time well, DJ you know, as well. I've, I've been playing since 96, you know, <laughs> like right out of high school. And then, uh, 
and it just went from there. 2005, when I became 2006, when I became the the buyer for Paxahau, uh, things kind of changed because it's like, what are you gonna do? Be a DJ or a talent buyer? You can't be both, you know. So like a lot of my DJing, I still DJ a lot, um, but it's more of a hobby. I yeah. don't like do it to like, you know, like. I do it for fun. Yeah. You know well, it's I mean? hard to, you can't really focus on that. For, I mean, I know as well, it becomes very hard to focus on any kind of full time DJ career yeah. when you've got all the yeah. business it's really hard side to of go, things it, going you on know, in the background. Wanna, you got to stay on top of your music and everything, and it's just, it's tough. Yeah, it's know? a challenge. It's yeah. a real challenge. Yeah. Um, so, with that, I guess we can, let's get into the DJ set. All right. Here we go. Thanks again, guys. Thanks, Thanks man. Listening to Red Bull Radio.
Hello, you're listening to The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio. We are here in Detroit with Paxahel DJs Dan Bain and Chuck Flask. We've been in the mix with Chuck for the past 40 minutes, and he's going to take us to the end of the show. Um, tune in again in two weeks on August 6th. We're going to be here in Detroit again with Luke Hess. Uh, again, this has been The Bunker New York on Red Bull Radio. Thank you.